Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hi there, friend. Welcome to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. Today I have with me Charity Majors, who is a mindset coach, a business coach, a brilliant speaker and author. Her book, Meant for More, empowers you to step into everything that God has created you to be as a faith-filled woman and It dares you to be everything that God has called you to be so that you can take your pain and turn it into your purpose. She is such a light and so inspiring to talk to. Today we are talking about identity and finding our worth and healing and hope in Christ and who he says that we are. I know that you will be inspired and encouraged. Enjoy today's episode, friend. Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, Charity. I'm so glad to sit down with you and um, talk about how we were meant for more and how we can have so much confidence in that. Oh, thanks so much, Emily. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. So real quick, could you please tell us like what um, you're passionate about? And I know you've been pursuing some certifications in identity and in, I guess you could say, faith-based things. Could you please tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, the the main message that I like kind of have right now, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of them sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, yes. <laughs> um, so my book is called Meant for More. My podcast is called Meant for More. And it really is this message that um, we are all here for a purpose, on purpose, that we are God dreams wrapped in human skin, created for just a time as this. And it actually started, um, I've always actually been kind of this big dreamer and knew that I was going to do something really great for God. And it was always kind of that, you know, even as a young girl, like I would just like raise my hand, like, here I am, God, like, use me, use me kind of a thing. And started mm-hmm. to put together like some of this message on purpose and really living full out in who you were created to be. Um, but what was really interesting was it actually sank into a deep, deep level. And I would say more than just like a passion, but a calling actually about four mm-hmm. years ago when my husband and I, we journeyed through the loss of a child. And I kind of like to call that like the the – the dark night of the soul for me, where in all of my brokenness, where I felt like I was completely broken and I couldn't keep our baby safe. And in the ugly cries on the floor, where I was drowning in shame and feeling so alone, what was really interesting was in all of my brokenness, feeling so like just covered in shame, I just, God came and sat by me and 
and didn't need to fix me. He told me there was nothing wrong with me and he didn't need to fix me Mm -hmm. and didn't give me like this seven step to get out of your shame, like whatever, to fix the thing. You know, it was like he just sat with me and in those in those months of my healing, um, he not only came so, so close, but um, infused and imparted such a deep, deep belief that every single one of us, that we are not here by mistake, that thousands of pieces and parts have to come together perfectly and divinely for life to be sustained. And it's not a mistake mm-hmm. that you were formed in your mother's womb in seclusion with by the divine hand of God for out of all of eternity for right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think we can, you know, we can teach what we know, right? There's a lot of people out there teaching a lot of things, but we can impart what we experience. And so from the experience that I had of really going through the dark night of the soul and throughout my healing process, coming out of it with this deep impartation of purpose and mission and identity in who we are and in whose we are um, and that we are divinely made, that I think it's really, really incredible that being able to impart that to, um, to others is definitely mm-hmm. a calling that I have been given. So, Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love it. So would you say where you learned – this identity, to stand in that identity was through that tragedy? I think it's been, I, I think lessons actually tend to be look, look a little bit more like layers of the onion, <laughs> you know, like. Absolutely, like I think, absolutely. I think that we can have like, yes, these experiences that where it's like kind of this rapid learning process, if you will, uh, kind of this pressure cooker or like an Instapot for the God lessons. <laughs> Um, And then other times there are definitely, you know, it's kind of lessons that we pick up along the way and put the pieces together. And so for me, it has definitely been, um, you know, like the dark night of the soul was definitely a part of a rapid period of growth for me, um, Mm -hmm. as well as it has, it has been a theme that I've seen throughout my life too, um, you know, I've had a lot of attack on on my character or on my identity or, you know, a lot of like the, the stuff like where I wasn't enough or I felt like I wasn't enough or that I didn't belong or waiting for someone else to pick me or to choose me or, um, you know, I went through a lot of like a people pleasing stage where I didn't really know who I was. So it was like, oh, well, I guess I just, if I just like pretend to be like that girl, like it seems like people like her. So maybe if I just act like her, then people will like me. And so I put on these masks and these layers of people pleasing and and I really lost that part of me. And so God brought me through such a beautiful journey of unlayering the onion, unlayering those masks, taking those masks mm-hmm. off and really getting back to who he created me to be with a solid foundation in him, as well as like this unshakable confidence. Because it's not a matter of having confidence, but it's a matter of where you put it. And I had mm. put confidence in these other areas of my life. It could have been like in my job or in these titles or in how I looked or what I was doing or right all these external things instead of in 
the identity of who God says I was um, and who God says I am. And so it was just kind of a matter of now redirecting where I placed my confidence and where I placed my, the security of my identity in. Um, right. So yeah, I would definitely say it's for sure been like the layers of the onion <laughs> journey. <laughs> yes. It's that process. And I think, I can't remember who said it. It was probably um, Pete Scazzaro, but he, he said recently that why do we not like slow? Like it's a process. What God likes slow. He likes that process, like a seed in the ground growing. And we we just want, like you said, the instant pot. We just want it to happen. Yep. And when we go through things, I think we are attracted to, oh, what am I supposed to learn from this? Like I want to get every ounce of learning rather than oftentimes I think God just wants to meet us in it. Oh, for sure. So thank you for sharing that that hard part of your story with us. Um, I'm curious, why why do you think there was so much shame there wrapped up around that loss and that situation? Well, I think it was that deep lesson of, like for me, there was – like I said, shame where I felt broken that I couldn't keep my baby safe. And, you know, being a former personal trainer and um, having, you know, been on multiple stages, I was super comfortable. You know, I was strong. I had a really great, healthy first pregnancy and an amazing home birth with our son that, um, you know, with our son. And it was then going through that second pregnancy where, again, I was still super healthy. And it was almost like I had, I had nothing like, nothing that I could have done for my body or how I ate or how, you know, organic the whatever thing was and all, you know, Mm -hmm. like prenatal vitamins and, you know, all of that stuff, like nothing that I did mattered in that moment because of the loss. And so it was like this, almost like this deeper shattering of the security that I had in my body or the things that I could do to try and control a situation. Um, and I think, especially for women out there who have maybe journeyed through loss as well, it can feel really, really isolating and really, really alone and really like you're the only person going for it. Or at least that's what it was for me as well as a lot of the women that I've talked to and worked with is that Mm -hmm. it feels like, like we're the only person going through this and feeling like this and feeling so broken and feeling so alone in this hurt and in these deep questions of why God, why this baby, why our family? Because it's not just the loss of a baby, it's the loss of hopes and it's the loss of dreams and it's the loss of these ideas that we had for our family and a plan. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's very intertwined with a lot of surrender um, mm-hmm. that can, that shattered a lot of, um, that shattered a lot of things for us. And right. that's, you know, that's hard in itself. And I think it can be wrapped in shame. I know for me, it was really wrapped in shame to even talk mm-hmm. to like, even t- start talking about it. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for that. I think hmm, it's definitely a lie of the enemy that we are alone. <laughs> In those things. And going back to confidence, do you think part of your confidence shifted through that? Like your confidence in um, maybe you being able to keep someone safe or who, like where you were placing your confidence, did that shift in that? 
Oh, for sure. Like I think a lot of it. So I've been in the personal development world and the mindset world for a decade before this and was, you know, I'm an expert in it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, which was very different for me to like, okay, we've got like this seven step thing that we can do to get out of the shame or to unpack this limiting belief or to bust through fear or to reprogram right. the subconscious, right? Like there's all this stuff out there. And they're very, very useful things, you know, very useful tools to have in the tool belt, to have access to. Um, And I think what was really interesting was that in that moment, like as many tools as I had in my tool belt, like none of it worked, right? None of what I Mm -hmm. could do on my own worked. And I think that when we get to the, like to the end of ourselves, Right. Cause like for me, like I'm very capable, like I'm very smart. Like, I, like Google is my best friend. Like I, you know, I love to learn. Yes. I love to get new certifications. <laughs> like give me another book, like take me to another conference. Right. I love to learn. And, and at that point, like as much learning as I did, as many certifications that I had underneath my belt and letters behind my name, it was the end of, it was at the end of myself where God met me. And this, it was, like I said, the most surprising, surprising response from such a good God was that in all of my brokenness, he told me that I was not broken and there was nothing that he needed to fix in Uh. all of how I was drowning in the shame, shame. He didn't give me the seven steps to get out of my whatever, right? He sat with me and began to just pour identity over me and infuse deep, deep belief and deep, deep purpose and a deep understanding. Like it was almost like I left that as I healed throughout that journey and, you know, went through grief counseling and a lot of prayer and a lot of inner healing and an amazing community and began to share my story. And as I kind of began to come out of that, um, I almost came out like that God gave me, you know, kind of like kind of like these new like this these new set of eyes or this new set of perspective new sunglasses where i'm literally able to see the like the god dream inside like the potential inside of everyone the greatness that's inside of them help them kind of sort through the junk right like gold mining like there's yes. some dirt we got to get through but here's <laughs> Absolutely. the gold here's the worth here is who God says you are and let's take this part of how you are uniquely made and let's run with it because your story matters, right? Every single person's story matters. What they've been through matters. And I think that our lives that we go through hard times and we're given platforms like these, you know, that Emily, that that you're creating that I have on my Meant for More podcast to really display the goodness of God because he works all things out for good. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I love it when you can testify that. And it's not – I love to be intentional not to just put a bow on things. Like you you mentioned some of that process and it's easy now for people to go, well, how does she go from this to this? And it just looks so instantaneous and there's this bow and she can say, God, work this out for good. But um, you, he met you in that and then you processed through it also. Yeah. When you were talking about digging through the dirt and like people are meant for more and, you know, helping them see what they're created for and um, just how loved and cherished they are, why do you think we don't 
step into that more? Is it that we don't know what's available? Or why do we like stay playing small or just not step into that power? I think it's twofold. I think part of it is we are each given the opportunity to nourish and to grow the potential that's inside of us, the seeds that are inside of us, the gifts that we have been given. And because God is a good God, he's a gentleman, he doesn't force himself on us, yes. right? Yeah. And and free will, like we still get the choice. We still get to choose to say, yes, this is a gift that I know that I've been given. And I like to say that like things that we've been given, gifts that we've been given, they kind of actually come to us or they're implanted in us, almost like how Ikea is, right? It's like some assembly is required. <laughs> <laughs> right like I love you, that. you've gotta like put some of the pieces together for this thing to be built or if you think about even like a seed and planting a seed like it's got to be given you know it's got to be put in the right soil like if our heart is really really hard right a seed can't pop through that hard surface. And so we've got to do some of the tilling. We've got to do some of the uprooting. We've got to get rid of some of the junk to be able to have really good soil for the potential of what's inside of that seed to grow. And then we got to water it. We got to give it food. We got to give it sunshine, right? We got to nourish it for it to grow and for fruit to, to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's back kind of that instant thing. We almost want it to be instant. Uh, yeah. So how do you help people step into that? What do you say? I mean, is it speaking life over them? Is it kind of like meeting them in that space where God met you and we're like, no, you're, you're, you're not broken. You're not, you don't have to change who you are. How do you do that for people? Oh, I think a big, like a big focus for me on how I'm doing that for others is actually creating platforms for the goodness of God to be displayed. And so that's what the Meant for More podcast is all about. That's what you, like even, I'm even launching the Meant for More community. It literally, I'm t- equipping women, faith-filled women to come together and to really, to dream chase God's way, to take their pain, to turn it into their purpose, to give themselves permission, right? Because I think a lot of times we wait for other people like, oh, like, can I just like have permission to go do this thing? Like when you've already been chosen, like you're already loved, like move from favor instead of for it um, and take it to the platform so that right? Like it's not so that we can like just, oh, look at me, look at me. But it's so that the goodness of God can be put on display so right. that the world can look a lot more like heaven. So that, right? Even in Revelations, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And testimony is like literally means like, God, do it again. So if the goodness of God and the healing that can come out of my life when I share my story can testify to the goodness of who God is and he is willing to do it again in someone else's life who might be in that same dark night of the soul, God is going to do it again and he is going to heal their heart again because he did it with me. Mm, Yes. Oh, yes. This is my testimony and testifying of God's goodness. Uh, We forget so quickly. Like I need to preach the gospel over myself every single day. I need every, I need have resources in my life that preach that, that truth of who Christ is and who I am every single day. And I love that you're building platforms for um, 
that to just be on full display. And your community looks amazing. I can't wait for you to launch that and grow that. Thanks. I'm pretty excited for it too. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, kind of a personal question. So when I hear identity and all of these things that I speak over other people, and then I hear them spoken by someone like you or um, just another pastor I was in contact with this week, she was speaking some of these things out. And for some reason, sometimes I find resistance to them, like they're too good or they're too big. And I almost want to shrink from them like, mm, it's almost too flashy. Like we almost glorify like staying small. Does that, has that ever happened to you? Do you know, do you um, resonate with that at all? Oh, for sure. I think it's way more comfortable to stay small, (laughs) right? It's way more comfortable to just, oh, I'm just going to like do my thing over here and not ruffle too many feathers and to, you know, like, oh, like, right. Like I think even in the church, I think that there's this um, false understanding of what humility actually is. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to stay over here, like stay humble, like not speak up too much, like not wear too many flashy things, right? Like I think that, and what's really interesting about the word humility or being humble is like I said, I think that the church has this false understanding or this false stereotype that you just have to like say yes to everything or that you're just this doormat or you just like are this lowly little whatever, like in the corner, like I'm just humble, like don't look at me. But what's really interesting is that the word, there's a word picture for humility and it is actually like if you can imagine with me just for a minute this like this black stallion right like imagine like a wild stallion like beautiful like mm. strong brave fierce fast right like like just right like you can picture that in your mind with me like right yes. running through a beautiful field and the word picture for humility is actually that same stallion taken under the loving care of a trainer and bridled to be able to put be put to use, right? Mm-hmm. So that same strength, that same beauty, that same speed, that same everything about this wild stallion, right? That out in the wild, if not put under the loving care and bridled to be able to be, be put to use by a trainer – this wild stallion can trample over people, right? like hurt people, like hurt things, right? Yes. And so humility is actually like the strength that God has given us, the gifts that we have been given, like these things that we have been given, like right now, I know for me, I've been called to be a voice. Like if, like it is me being a voice, like literally being able to see and hear what heaven says about someone. It is that same, right? Because I can hear like all the negative stuff. Like I could probably like, oh, I like know whatever limiting beliefs you got. Like I know like all the stuff that you've been through. Like, right. I know what the enemy <laughs> says about you for sure. Right. Yes. And, but it's that same strength placed under the authority to be able to be used for good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I love that because I think um, being – having experienced spiritual abuse and then wanting to be very um, careful to steward the people that I help coach and not wanting to – you use the word trample. And I think that was just perfect because when we are out running in the field and just being a stallion and not being submitted to what God wants to use those strengths and gifts for, we can trample people, but we can release that fear when we are surrendered. That was so powerful. I appreciate that. 
Um, you said something about people pleasing. How does that keep us from living in our identity? Or you could do like the reverse answer. Like how does our identity help us solve our people pleasing? Oh, well, as a person, as a girl with like, <laughs> recovering people pleasing tendencies, yes. <laughs> right? Right. Like, and I've even shifted my language. Like I used to even say like, oh, I'm a recovering people pleaser, right? Like, or I'm a, you know, I'm a people pleaser. Like that's even an identity statement instead of Mm -hmm. like simply a behavior that I used to have, you know, that could Uh still like kind of pop up every once in a while and I recognize it. But those people pleasing tendencies, that's where like you're way more worried. I know for me, it's like I was way more worried about what other people thought about me than about who, like what heaven said about me. I was way more worried about, oh, if I spoke up about this thing that I was going to offend, like if I could just like control, like it'll just like word this thing perfectly, then it's not going to like offend or ruffle any feathers, right? Like it's those places that we know, like of who we are, where maybe we have shown up fully, right? Like I know for me, it was like, I would like show up and like, I, I grew up, um, like singing and dancing and speaking and on stage and traveling the world. And, um, and what was really interesting was going through then kind of middle school, high school. Um, I actually received a lot of criticism and even, even in my grown up years, um, I ended up actually randomly going into pageants and becoming Mrs. Idaho and like Mrs. America and competing in the top four of the world, like making top six in the world. And what was really interesting was, I had even some people, like most people loved it, right? They're super encouraging, but it's like those couple people that they're like, right. oh, you just want people to look at you and oh, you just want all the attention and oh, you're just like, oh, look at me, look at me. And like, if you like, if you know me, like that's not my heart at all. Like I literally, like it is like my biggest desire to reflect Jesus, like to be his hands and feet. And uh-huh. yeah. And so it was really interesting. So I had actually gone through, went through a phase where I stopped like anything that was like leading from the front of the room, even though like in like every area of my, you know, my life, I like am the leader, like I'm the firstborn. I naturally like was a team captain. I was, you know, like I was the leader of the whatever. I did speech class. I did vocal, you know, like vocally. I left the front of the room in church, like all these different things. And it wasn't because of like any need for me to be seen, but it was literally because I was called into those positions. And it was also a space where I felt really alive. And I think that we can discount that. I think that we can discount saying, oh, like it makes me feel really good to lead from the front of the room. It's like, no, actually, like God designed us in certain ways. And like, that's a part of the way that I was designed was to literally lead from the front of the room. And so being at home in that or, right, like now I don't have to people please other people like to like, oh, well, you're just whatever. It's like, no, actually, like this is like something that God has called me to do and my identity and securities and like the way that I'm made and what he says about me, not what you say. So identity is actually really, really rooted in helping get rid of people pleasing tendencies. Right. Yeah. I love the word you use. Like that's making, that is where you felt more alive. So as I step into um, what God has called me to do or step away from the rules and the law and step into the abundant life, I definitely have felt so much more alive. And in November, that's been the theme on the podcast has just been being more alive. 
and stepping into that abundant life. Um, so I love that you mentioned that because we, uh, why do we discount that? Do we, it's almost goes back to that same thing about identity being so big and bold. And we're like, is that too much? And we, we don't want to be too much. Why do we shrink back from the things that light us up? Have we been taught somehow that they're wrong, that that's wrong? Oh, for sure. I, that's conditioning that happens throughout our life. And what's really interesting is 80% of our beliefs are actually ingrained in our subconscious by the time that we are seven. And if we don't go back and heal some of those limiting beliefs, some of those stories that we've carried and picked up with us throughout our life, then we actually end up living out zero to seven for the rest of our life. Mm. And mm-hmm. so here's an example. So even like I think I was five, maybe six, and I just started at a new school. And it was like the first recess. And I went out to go play, you know, to go meet new friends and went out and asked this group of girls if I could play with them. And they said no. And it like it really hurt my five-year-old little heart, right? And like it instantly, like there was there was an emotional response, which is how our subconscious then opens up. And then it allows that little belief to be just kind of ingrained in there. And so in that moment, it was, I'm rejected. I'm not enough, or maybe I'm too much, right? Like they think there's something wrong with me. Like, do I not have what it takes? Or like, I'm not, I'm not, am I not sporty enough? Am I not popular enough? Am I whatever, right? So now all of a sudden our, you know, my brain was trying to fill in the gaps of their no, Yes. And now as an adult, which is what's really, you know, what it, what's really interesting is, you know, it's like I can go like looking back now, it's like, oh gosh, like a five-year-old just said like, don't play with me at the playground. Like who cares? But if I hadn't have gone back to heal that part of my five-year-old little heart, I would have continued to have this belief And what's interesting about our brains is we have this thing called confirmation bias. So have you ever gone shop, like shopping for a car or a purse or something, and all of a sudden, like, you see it everywhere? Right. Absolutely. Like, that's called confirmation bias. Like, your brain is focused in on something, and it's going to spot it everywhere. When before, it wasn't even on the radar, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be the only one with this car, and now everyone has it, right? You see it everywhere. And that's how our belief system works to where now, all of a sudden, my five-year-old little heart hit it like had like tucked in this belief that I didn't belong, that girls didn't like me, that I was rejected, that I didn't have what it took. And now my brain was focused on that and it looked for every single place where I was rejected. It looked for every single place where I didn't belong. It looked for every single place where I was not enough or maybe I was too much over here, right? I was too loud. I was, I was too much of a leader. I was too tall. I was too blonde. I was, right? I was too smart. I was too intimidating. I was too sporty. I was too whatever. And then over in these other rooms, I'm not enough. Like I'm not tall enough and I'm, I'm not brunette enough and I'm not smart enough and I'm not right. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, like all these different mixed messages. And so if we don't go back and heal those initial, even little five-year-old things that to us as adults seem stupid, if we don't go back and provide and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and provide the healing, even in those younger years, then we're going to keep living out that confirmation bias and keep confirming that story from the beginning. 
Um, and then going back to like the space where it's like too much, what I actually ended up starting to do was, right, like show up in rooms where maybe my too much for some people was par for the course, which is actually why I ended up getting into pageants. <laughs> I was like too pretty for the whoever, the whatever, and wanted to speak and wanted to be involved in the community and was too busy and too driven. And it was like, oh, I'm just going to go into a room filled with other incredible women all around the nation that are contributing to their communities and they're not afraid to lead from the front of the room and they are like moving and shaking and they're being incredible influence, influential women in their spheres of influence in their communities. I like, I'm going to go be in that room because that's par for the course, right? Like maybe yeah, my too yeah. much is too much for this room. I don't belong in this room. Right. So you could shift your belief by who you were surrounding yourself with. You could kind of like sh- change that confirmation bias. I've never thought about confirmation bias in that sense. Like in the political sense, I've had that explained like where we're talking about depolarization and civil discourse and things. Um, but that, that really was eye-opening to – Talk about confirmation bias and subconscious because I I've heard those concepts just not that way. So I love it. I'm so glad you said it that way. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so as we begin to shift those beliefs that of the truth and let our confirmation bias change, heal the things inside of us. Begin to look for where am I strong enough? Where am I capable? Where where am I? Um, not too much. That's so beautiful. Um, do you have any specific scriptures that come to mind that you speak out over yourself to remind yourself that you are not too much or on the flip side that you are enough? Um, I I think I, I used to do those. I used to have ones like that for sure. Um, I think a big identity shift for me was – that, or I didn't have to maybe do those, like those verses or those identity statements or affirmations, um, anymore when I actually really understood like what God said about me. Right. So like, I am a loved daughter. I am chosen. Um, I belong in the family of God. I like, like I can come from a space, like I, there's nothing that I have to do to move, like to, to earn love, like I already have it. There's nothing I have to do to like raise my hand and say, pick me, pick me. Ooh, like God use me. Like I am already chosen. So I think when we start to actually understand the character of God and understand yeah. how good of a father he really is, then I think that that shifts the understanding of who I am as a daughter. Right? Like I, I, I stopped turning like a free gift into a reward that I had to earn. Right? Yes. I had to stop. I stopped yes. like trying to strive for love when I already had it. Right. I was able to move from favor instead of like for it. And once I Absolutely. understood, like what I just filled in the gaps of a broken foundation of my understanding of who God was and who he said I was, then a lot of that stuff just shifted and melted away. And that was actually what like a, um, my, I have a card deck. It's a devotional card deck. And that's actually is a big combination of, 
uh, of what that is based on. It's based on who God is and who he says I am. And it's kind of blends these two together. Um, yes. Founded in scripture. There's a worship song that goes along with it, like an identity statement, as well as a message from God about who he is as a good father and what he says about you. Um, that's mm-hmm. what my card deck is all about. So, Yeah. I love when we've I think when we first met, you said, you know, we talk about manifestation or card decks and everything that um, is true, our enemy takes and distorts it or shifts it. But there's a grain of truth in even like pulling a card and a card deck. Where can people go to find your card deck? Well, I'd actually love to give your audience, I'd love to text them five free ones if, <laughs> if they that would, would like amazing. it. That would be so fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to, um, I would love to text you five free daily. They're called. It's called the Devo Deck. Um, you can get it at devodeck.com, like devotional shortened. Um, but to text or to get the five free texted to you, if you just want to text the word Devo, D-E-V-O, to the number 833-231. 8098. I'll text you for the next five days, um, five free cards, and you'll get to see what those are. And back to what you were saying, Emily, like, yes, the enemy um, only counterfeits what's valuable, right? Like, you don't counterfeit a watch from Walmart, you counterfeit a Rolex. Mm, And I think that if Christ followers can get brave enough to understand that, that we press in on the enemy, right? Like we're not like we're not called to just like go hide in a corner because like the world is so dark. I like, oh, don't go to that yoga class because they do the whatever moves. Actually, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when I make those same moves, I actually am reclaiming them back for the kingdom of God because he started them in the first place because he's the God that created my body and created every single body and created movement, right? Like I press in on them because of the authority of Christ in me. And so even my card deck, right? Like some people are like, oh, it's like an Oracle card deck. It's like, Yes, but for Christians, and it's because it's placed under under the authority of the correct kingdom, and I'm taking it back. Yes. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad you take that back because we don't need to give that ground. We don't need to give um, a win for that or or to even shy away from something because it's been used for a different purpose, like you said with yoga. Like Absolutely. Why do we have to um, – it's almost living in fear of it rather than like, no, I – all of my life is sacred and all of my life is an act of worship. So if I'm doing something that devil meant for evil, I can reclaim that. Yep. Cause he's not a creator. He only counterfeits. And so, and he doesn't have the authority to. So when I take the authority back, he loses it. I take ground. I press in on the darkness because of who mm-hmm. I am in Christ. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you so much, Charity. I appreciate this. I, I, I can't get enough about identity. It changed my life a few years ago for sure. And um, just need this spoken out over and over and over again and reminded of whose we are and who he says we are. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And Emily, I just want to thank you for having me here. You're called to be a voice. And I can just see God using you in such incredible, incredible ways. And even I see in the picture, like the the door behind you is actually just standing out. There's beautiful windows. And I just feel like God is just going to be opening up doors for you that he is just going to be, right? Like you're going to be knocking on them and he's just going to be opening them for you um, because your life will absolutely display the goodness of who he is and who he says that you are. 
and who he says that his daughters are. So you're Mm. doing great. Keep going. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend so that they can hear this encouragement and be empowered in their walk with Jesus as well. It would also mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does make a world of difference in getting this podcast into other people's ears so they can be equipped in their relationship with God as well. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K, L-O-U-I-S.com. And until next week, remember that God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.